This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Food Banks Canada says people who use their services went up 20% during the pandemic. David Armour, president of Food Banks Canada, helps us understand the impact of all this and how they're keeping up with demand. And they tell us flat out, this is why you should help us. I love it. Handy Andy Barrar is back with a look at how he transformed a devastating loss in his neighborhood into a community garden. He takes a look at Nextdoor and finding out how they're competing with Facebook to build communities, but in a little bit different way. Plus, are you okay with paying attention? This is the Shift Podcast. You know, I want to check out his stuff. I'm Shane Hewitt. Ryan O'Donnell is here. Brendan Kelly as well. Are you okay? Are you okay with being perceptive? Hmm. Uh, as someone with horrible vision since grade three, no, because I am not very perceptive. Well, Paying attention matters yeah. to most things in life. It does. Yeah. I'm not good at that. I feel like. What are we talking about? Yeah. See, I feel like um, <laughs> paying attention is a lost art form these days. So the attention mm. spans are short, and I, mine is short these days because there's just so much information flying at me left, right, and center. Um, so I've actually made it a point to try to improve or get my attention span back recently because. Mm. It's been going. It's gone. Like, I know what you mean. I'm trying yeah, to read a book, and it's like, no, I want to look at Twitter. It's like, no, I don't want to look at Twitter. Mm-hmm. Too many things. Oh, Far I can't open anything. Things. If there's a thing, something in my mind, and I'm, I'm, oh yeah, I gotta send a message to Ryan about sharing ice cream cake because he doesn't invite us to share his ice cream cake, and yeah. then I open up my phone and I do like 17 other things, and then then I sit there, I put my phone on. Oh yeah, Ryan, I gotta ask him to share his. And then I pull up my phone and I check Instagram, do all the things. I still don't even ask Ryan to share the ice cream cake. Life is hard. Very. It's important. It's an important trait to be perceptive and pay attention. Life can go by if you don't notice all the great stuff happening around you. Your friends eat ice cream cake. They don't share with you. Be perceptive. A woman in BC is reminding everyone to be perceptive after she had a very unexpected guest while enjoying a smoke, a little dart, and some TikTok on her porch, eh? Whoa, nice bud. Ah, who doesn't like a dart and some TikTok? Well, this unexpected guest was very fuzzy and packed a set of some serious claws. Here's more from Global BC. It came closer and she realized it was a bear. She says she froze out of sheer panic, fearing it might hit her. Instead, the animal's licks were luscious, she says. Porter adds the bear walked in front of her and around to her right side, taking a sniff and licking her hand. His mouth was more open and I was like, nope. And so I pulled it back and he decided to kind of back up. I must have startled him. And he went up on his hind legs and his paws were kind of crouched in. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a snapshot. My phone is still open and on and nobody's going to believe this. It actually just feels like a dog tongue, a gigantic dog tongue, <laughs> like a Newfoundland lab. So just because this bear was friendly for a few minutes doesn't mean that all bears are friendly. No. I would I would imagine so. In fact, one might say it's a better place to start at that no bears are friendly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I second that. Can we also acknowledge the fact that when she's out there having a dart um, and then the bear gave her a little lick, she broke out her phone and said, I should probably take a picture of this. Yeah. Well, she did already have the phone in her hand, but I agree oh. I would have dropped it. However, perhaps in this particular very rare circumstance, the fact that she didn't drop it and just moved and took a picture kept the bear calm. Maybe. Or am I stretching? I might be reaching a bit yeah, here. You could be right. I mean, reacting and going, bah, might have just made the bear go, bah, and the bear might have ran away or might have yeah. eaten her. I mean, the bear already knew how she tasted. Yeah. I, I, That's true. <laughs> I also want to say that with the accent that you're portraying her having the dart, I think it's the wrong yeah. coast. It sounds like the wrong coast. The oh, dart, but yeah. when you got to have a dart, you got to have a dart. Yeah, that's true. It's fun to say dart like that. I'm with Shane dart. on this one. I'm sorry, Brennan. Yeah, well, they sorry. smoke funny darts here in BC, so. <laughs> Want to have a uh, funny dart? Uh, Porter said she did not call conservation officers out of fear the bear would be killed, adding that bear traffic in her neighborhood is not unusual, even though residents are diligent about locking up their trash. She said she initially believed the bear was a grizzly, but that hunter friends told her it was a black bear based on its claws. How big were its claws? About that big. Very she big. puts her hands up. <laughs> well, she got a picture. There you go. Without that picture, picture, we would have never known. Now, I certainly hope she offered the bear a dart. And maybe this bear, maybe the bear needed a light. Yeah. Maybe that's what that was. He just wanted a funny dart. It's a BC mm. bear. Maybe the BC bear was looking for a, a, the light. Are you Okay. Are you okay with kids' shows? Yep. I did see a, uh, a a great tweet today where someone had said, if the friendly giant is so friendly, why does he have a rooster in a sack nailed to the wall? Which I thought is <laughs> a, a pretty good, good point. Yeah, that's a good that's point. A, that's yeah. a good point. Uh, a lot of the old kid shows that I used to watch, uh, I've been re-watching, and I, I, there's a lot of pretty adult, grown-up stuff in there that oh, they yeah. really and i'm not just talking like innuendos i mean like actual like pretty serious subject matter that flies right over your head and i would say the best kid shows are the ones that you can watch when you're an adult and still enjoy. which one which one was uh, your favorite? which one is yeah. the dirtiest the the dirt well i would say probably samurai jack which was so badass when it was being made that when they came back and remade the final season two years ago, they just said, screw it and made it rated R. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's how badass the kid show was. They were like, eh, good let's parenting. have some fun with the last yeah. season. Yeah. All so right. that'd be my pick. All right. Of all of the kids shows out there, one has truly stood the test of time. It's been on since 1969. It's Sesame Jeez. Street. Oh, there you go. Now, we talked about this very briefly last night on The Shift. We talked about how Big Bird from Sesame Street got his COVID vaccine. Big Bird asked all the questions and even spoke to Dr. Sanjay Gupta from CNN about his fears about getting the COVID-19 vaccine, too. Uh, I have one more question. Oh, sure, sure. Big Bird. What's that? Well, uh, I'm a little scared to get the shot because I don't like needles. Will it hurt? Oh, it's okay to be scared and to have some of those big feelings, Big Bird. Can I tell you something? I'm a grown-up, and I don't really like needles mm -hmm. either. In fact, even as an adult, 
I don't like to look when the doctor puts that shot in my arm. And I'm the same way too, Big Bird. Well, but you're a doctor. Yeah, but you know, even some doctors don't like getting shots. That doesn't. New Big Bird doesn't sound anywhere near the same as old Big Bird. No, not at all. Yeah, but like, that's like, yeah, the Muppets have the same thing. You can't, you know, get that same amazing voice actor back all the time. Nails all of the Bugs Bunnies and the Daffy Ducks and the Tweety Birds. That's true. So he's a good example of that. Absolutely. He absolutely crushes like Marvin. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. He does a good job. All right. It's a pretty wholesome experience. Uh, here's a rule of thumb. If Sesame Street is teaching it to your kids, it's probably a good thing. I mean, through the test of time, for all of the foobars that have gone on with Sesame Street, um, they're heavily leaning on the did a good job scale, right? Yes. Ted Cruz. Oh, Don't no, blame no. Canada for Ted Cruz, please. Oh, no. Yeah, please don't. The United States <laughs> Senator called out the tweet from Big Bird. Oh, of course Here's more did. from CBS News. You won't believe it. Senator Ted Cruz is responding to a tweet from Big Bird. I'm talking about the social media kind of tweet here. I feel like I need to give that some context. November 6th, the Twitter account for Big Bird said, quote, I got the COVID vaccine today. My wing is feeling a little sore, but it'll give my body an extra protective boost that keeps me and others healthy, end quote. Cruz responded, quote, government propaganda for your five-year-old, end quote. President Joe Biden also responded to the Big Bird tweet on social media, quote, good on you, Big Bird. Getting vaccinated is the best way to keep your whole neighborhood safe. I have a question. Mm-hmm. He says more government propaganda for your five-year-old. Does Ted mm-hmm. Cruz realize that he's part of the government? Yeah, he, he is the government. Well, yeah, he is, it. and um, it's just r- wrong. And uh, this is uh, this is a fake tweet. Somebody photoshopped the big bird icon. Although it is a really good comeback on Twitter, and it just says Ted can't tell you how to get to Sesame Street, but he can tell you how to fly to Cancun. <laughs> i was waiting for a good cancun joke to come in there oh back in 1971 the first measles mumps and rubella vaccine was approved for use in the u.s the next year saw big bird take part in a vaccination drive just down the block outside of hooper's store uh just for clarity so it's it's not a new thing that's cool i i think this is awesome that they did that i like the whole kind of you know kids you know quell the fears kind of thing i think that's great and then ted cruz has to ted cruz it <sighs> don't blame canada please if you're listening no. in the states not our fault he's yours now you took him <laughs> are you okay are you okay with christmas decorations i saw my first christmas tree in a window when i was out on my usual walk along the road on friday night and i was like oh it begins it was fully decked out too these people were hardcore christmas Mm -hmm. it's that time of year again christmas is coming soon wreaths are going up lights are going up trees are going up many families will be taking this out of the box and pulling uh and putting it all over their house the elf on the shelf it was a Christmas crisis. Patient here for you. Perfect. Sam the Elf was off, not to the North Pole, but to the hospital for emergency care. Monday morning, I woke up to her screaming, 
bloody murder, pretty much. <laughs> and I came running out of my bedroom. Jennifer Thielen's daughter told her their two-year-old German Shepherd had attacked Sam the Elf. Jennifer works for Orlando's Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children, the perfect place to treat an elf in distress. We put elf on a stretcher, and we had Ashley, one of our paramedics, um, dress up in the trauma room. And with a little magic, Sam was back in good health. All better. A little magic. That story was from Inside Edition 2017, but this Christmas decoration and trend is alive and well. It's a popular elf doll that's, uh, you know, that magically shows up in your house. And it, every single morning when the kids get up, it's in a different place around the home. It's just to monitor the kids' behavior, and they report back to Santa every single night. And one judge in the States is questioning the legality of the doll is now waging war against the elf on the shelf. The Georgia judge jokingly banned the elf on the shelf. Cobb County Superior Court Chief Judge Robert Leonard posted the mock order on Twitter. The tweet reads, tired of living in elf on the shelf tyrant tyranny, <laughs> not looking forward to the elf forgetting to move and causing your kids emotional distress. I'm a public <laughs> servant and will take the heat for you. My gift to tired parents. P.S. If you love your elf, keep your elf. No contempts. Now, these elves move every single night and then in the morning the kids get up there in a different place sometimes they do naughty elf things he recalled one horrific incident in his own home where three children were sent to school in tears with one being labeled as an elf murderer because <laughs> be accused of making the elf lose his magic because you can't touch oh it if God. you touch it the elf loses their magic Given the risk of such emotional damage and supply chain issues caused by COVID-19 <laughs> the judge wrote that he had no choice but to banish the elves from Cobb County it's a lot of work. Wow. Damn. Making that magical little elf uh, be able to report back to Santa every single night. Hmm. It's a lot of work. So keep that in mind, by the way, when you're walking by Bed Bath & Beyond and you see the boxes there. And you're like, <laughs> hey, what a great idea. Oh, boy, the stress. This is the Shift Podcast. As we start to look forward here, uh, what's coming up for Christmas and all those things, my family, we're trying to figure out how do we do Christmas this year? My teenagers are at that age where the fancy, fancy electronics and expensive things are what they want. They don't really want a bunch of other things. So how do we do a balance of some gifts and maybe some time in the community. Well, this is one really great way, and I'm curious to get his thoughts on all of it. Uh, David Armour is the CEO of Food Banks Canada, here to talk about the food. David, how are you? Great. How are you, Shane? I'm good, thank you. There's some stats that have come out which are kind of staggering. We're talking usage up 20%, stuff like that, across Canada with the local food banks. Uh, what are you guys seeing? Yeah, it's just huge. Uh, we're seeing a 20% increase right across Canada in uh, the number of visits to food banks. And to put that in uh, in real numbers, that's 1.3 million visits we saw at food banks in March of this year. Wow. And uh, we're seeing uh, increased food costs, increased housing costs, uh, reduced social assistance, uh, lots, still lots of unemployment and underemployment. So food banks are getting ready for a perfect storm heading into this Christmas in terms of uh, high level of need. So we can talk about need a couple different ways, David, because you've got obviously people that are hungry and come in maybe once a week for the groceries. 
But then you also need bodies in the door to pack the groceries, sort the groceries, do the things, and you need people to donate the food and the money to begin with. So where do you want to start with that conversation? Because we could spend an hour just on those. Well, exactly. And it's, uh, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities for people. And uh, we start out by saying, uh, think about providing uh, funds to your local food bank. Uh, think about providing food and think about providing some volunteer time at your local food bank. Um, there's high need for, for funds uh, because food banks can buy uh, food at great prices. Uh, and for people that have food that they'd like to collect or pull together with their children and, and drop it off like so many did in Thanksgiving, and they're going to be doing it again at Christmas, um, that's fantastic. And for those that are able to roll up their sleeves uh, and, uh, and work at the food bank, do some volunteer time, even now, you know, 70% of the food banks are actually delivering food to people's houses because of COVID. Um, so we even need people just to drive food out to uh, people's houses and apartments. So that's that's a remarkable opportunity for those who don't know what they're doing or feel like it's not for them. What a new consideration that is. Okay, so we have um, all of these people that are looking for help. We have all kinds of different ways to help. I've always been curious, and I realize all the grocery stores do it differently, so you, it's probably not a black and white answer. But, you know, you can buy those $5 or $10 bags of groceries for the food bank at the grocery store. Is it still better or easier for you guys to source that food yourself with the cash versus those bags? I mean, obviously, you're not going to say no to the bags. It's all good. Uh, It's all good. We appreciate all of it. Um, For those that are able to give the funds directly, that's great. Um, The dollar goes a long way when the food banks are purchasing at wholesale directly from the food companies with lots of support from food companies. Um, but for people that are, are in a store and able to uh, buy a, a package and uh, and send one, that's fantastic too. Um, and people that have some uh, extra food in their house, they want to pull it together with their kids and drive down to the food bank and drop that off. Um, that's really, really appreciated. However people want to do that, uh, it's, it's greatly appreciated. And food banks will vary. Um, so it may be good also to call your local food bank. Some of them deal uh, really want mostly food. Um, uh, also, people are looking, uh, food banks are looking for fresh food as well. About 40% of what we're providing nationwide is is fresh food. Um, we've really moved the scale on that to give people food that's as healthy as possible. Uh, we don't often take time to acknowledge the food companies and grocery chains that do help out. How important is that and how amazing are they for the discounts they give, uh, the access to product they give when you guys are in need? We don't talk about that relationship very much. How important is it? Oh, it's it's incredibly important. And they're so generous. And they're so generous on so many different levels. Um, at the national corporate level, they're very generous. And they move lots of food uh, out of their warehouses directly to the our national office, Food Banks Canada, and, and straight out to the provinces and then out to local food banks. Um, they support uh, regionally as well. And also local stores will, will support uh, tremendously as well. So at all levels... We've got the national food companies just being so generous um, and so helpful and uh, and just just a real, real, real support for us. There was a season uh, when I was working part time. I had a business that was suffering because of COVID shutdown. We lost like 400 clients in 48 hours. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not really worried about work today. This is before I took on this show full time. I was worried about work six months from now. And so I went and took a job at a friend who worked at a Sobeys uh, warehouse. And I, I took a job stacking pallets of groceries for about two or three months until everything settled down. 
It's staggering when you consider the amount of food that moves through those warehouses. That's probably the biggest lesson I've learned in this conversation is just the grocery stores, the amount of trucks that bring stuff in, it gets resorted and redistributed back to all the individual stores. It's a staggering amount of food that we consume every single day. And when you say 1.3 million visits, I mean, I, I can't even imagine the truckloads and truckloads and warehouses and warehouses. Does it still impress you today? How oh, much all of the food banks are able to kick out? Yeah, it's so impressive. And when you visit some of the small food banks that are doing it on a shoestring, and then you visit the large ones that have a huge warehouse that you could back a tractor trailer in, they've got a whole section that's frozen uh, so they can look after all the frozen meats and everything. Um, it's it's just incredible how much is moving. And and uh, uh, how many of the trucking companies are are supporting as well by by moving a lot of this food around the country. Um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, okay, so I need your help. So uh, David Armour is the CEO of Food Banks Canada. So how has it changed for you since you've come into the food banks, you know, in your house? I'm assuming that the way you think is different now, right? You've been, now that you're at food, like you spend your time at, you go to work, you're Food Banks Canada, you go home and you look in your fridge. You probably look in your fridge differently. Um, how's it different for you every day, you know, as a, a guy who's around food banks all the time? Well, it's different for me in, in that uh, I really don't waste any food at all because there's so much to start in, in food waste. Um, and the second thing is uh, whenever I get a chance to volunteer, I uh, roll up my sleeves and do that. A local food bank here, uh, they were dropping off uh, envelopes or actually uh, bags before Christmas on, on doorways. Uh, we dropped off about 250 bags on, on doorways for people to make a, a Thanksgiving donation. Um, took in a big bag myself, had a friend in a retail store um, that uh, collected a few hundred pounds of food uh, in this just this small retail store. I dropped that off at the food bank the next week. Um, you just get involved uh, and you get involved in seeing the volunteers and seeing people making a difference. And you just realize uh, every, every piece of food makes a difference. So the, the audience here at nighttime, we call them shift heads. Um, for the shift radio show. And we, there's a community on Facebook and all these people. And, and one of the challenges that we're putting out to the shift head community this Christmas is to pick off one thing, to pick off one thing to help someone else uh, through Christmas. Uh, in my family, I'm talking to my kids about it. Okay. So as opposed to gifts, maybe we can go somewhere and spend a night. We need to pick off one thing where we can help out. Why should we help out the food banks? Give me the, uh, give me the reasons. I think the reason is, first, it'll be a really enjoyable, rewarding experience. Uh, it's real. It's tactile. You're packing food. You're moving food. Um, you're bringing food to people who are coming to the food bank or you're dropping it off at their house. It's a very real thing. At the end of the day, as a family, you'll say, wow, look what we did. Um, it's, it's a feel-good, roll-up-your-sleeves kind of an activity where you say, this is about feeding people. These are people who, through, through no fault of their own, um, have financial insecurity and food insecurity and... Uh, hey, I made a difference and my family rolled up our sleeves and did something about it. So uh, I, I know lots of families that do it as a family event. Uh, they just get involved in the food bank as a group and it's it's something fun to do as a whole family. It's inspiring. You, um, when you sit down to Christmas dinner, how deep's the gratitude? Oh, it's it's incredibly deep because you think of, uh, of all the people that are having Christmas dinner that made a difference in the lives of others by donating and volunteering. Um, and then you also think of all those that don't have a Christmas dinner this year and uh, how we need to do better. 
um, how, how we need to make a difference next year and uh, really tackle this. One out of four food banks experiencing 50% increase in demand. Uh, Quebec, Ontario, and Alberta topping out that list all across the country. 20% basically averaged uh, during the pandemic visits. 1.3 million in the springtime and expected to go up through Christmas. So if there ever was an opportunity to help out, um, this is the time when it all comes together. Uh, David Armour is CEO of Food Banks Canada. David, uh, thanks so much for this. Let us know how it goes, okay? Because we're happy to help out. Great. Thanks so much, Shane. This is The Shift Podcast. And it's time for us to break out our glow sticks and our disco pants and get it all ready. That's right, for Handy Andy. It's handyandymedia.com, by the way, is his website. Andy, how are you? I'm, you know, Shane, every time disco music starts, I'm, I'm just pumped up, you know? So I'm doing yeah. really good right now. I'm feeling groovy. Feeling groovy? I, you, know, I, you know that I changed your name in my phone, right? I have you. I have you. I changed it to Uncle Sandeep now. So I have you in there. As, oh, uh, oh like, see? So every time you, uh, so every time I just about said that, uh, I was like, here's Uncle Sandeep, which I think would be a great <laughs> name to go, except you've built this, uh, this handy Andy brand, uh, which is good too, because you make a perfect Andy in my eyes. Um, so if I call you uncle, now you know why. Well, I'm, I'm getting into the uncle territory, so I'm, you know, Are you? I should get used to it now. Immature and responsible and, and still like the rebel. I'm, who... I'm like, you know, you know, during the pandemic, I have matured so much. Like I'm like, you call me Disco Andy. That's because when I went to Vegas, I would do all these crazy things. But now I'm yeah. so like healthy and like I do meal prep, like clean. I'm just like a, just like you a. feel better? I feel great. I sleep great. Like, you know, everything is great. But like, I just, I went to the bar the other day to watch a boxing match and just having a couple pints, you know, like normally wouldn't have been a big deal, but I can't handle it anymore. You know, the next day I was so tired. I'm like, oh man, I think I, I think my drinking days are done. (laughs) Like I just can't Never come on. I've seen you. Your drinking days are far from over. I don't know, Shane. Uh, It's just hard. It's just, I'm not young anymore. I just can't do it. Wake up the next nice. day and, you know, go at it. Nice. Okay, text from uh, Trucker Kevin. Andy, do you happen to know when the best time this month, uh, when is the best time this month to get a new cell phone? Have you ever noticed any trends in your uh, DIY, DIY world about well, when to get new cell phones? Well, that's a good question because all the new phones are being released right now. So you'll you'll be seeing that just to get in, in time for the holiday rush. So what you'll see is all the carriers are going to start offering all these cell phone plans. If you're going to get a phone, you know, of course, you can go the carrier route or you could buy one just outright. But one thing I would always suggest everyone do, doesn't matter who you have as your cell phone plan, just if, if you're bored one day, just call them up and just break them down. And I guarantee you, you could drop a couple of dollars off your cell phone bill. The best thing to do is just ask all your friends, what are you paying and what are you getting? And then you take that information and use it as leverage. Don't be mean to the people, but just be like nice and you can drop your cell phone bill and maybe even get a free phone if you do sign a contract. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. But um, coming up right now, and you want to get it early because, there, of course, we talk about the supply issue. So that's another thing that you want to be cognizant about is don't wait. If you need a phone, get it now because of the supply. And if you get last year's model, right now is the best time, especially for iPhones. If you get an iPhone 12, 
Um, mm-hmm. A lot of good deals out there because of the 13 being released. And they're somewhat limited too because they've cut off some of the older models in production of them as well to add that into. I know that my son did buy a new phone and still going to be a couple of weeks before it gets here. Keep that in mind as it gets closer to Christmas if it's a gift worth noting. Okay, handyandymedia.com. You've already posted it to shiftheads.ca, the uh, Facebook group. Your neighbor's house burning down. Now, that's not really the gift, but why why you created it is a gift. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I got a chance to work with the folks at Nextdoor. And if people don't know what Nextdoor is, it's kind of like Facebook, except just people in your neighborhood. So if you look out on a feed, all you're going to see is people that live around you talking about stuff going on in the neighborhood. And so they had a contest where they were going to do a Love Your Neighborhood contest, and they wanted some help to promote it. So I told the story about what happened last year during the pandemic when I was just working in my backyard. I was making some tables. I was filming a video actually. And then I heard a huge explosion and I got like headphones on because I was sanding the the table and I could feel it like in the ground. And I'm like, what's that? And then I look and I see smoke and fire coming from my neighbor's house. And you have to go to the website because I have the whole video of coming out there and seeing it. And Shane, it looks like it's straight out of a Hollywood movie. Like that is a massive fire. And it happened within seconds, a huge blaze. And so you could actually hear my voice, how scared I was as the firefighters were coming in because we didn't know if anybody was inside the house at the time. So you have everyone that, like, I literally wanted to run in there. And you always think that you would run in to save a fire. But it's almost like the heat chain. It was, I never felt so much heat. It's almost like trying to put your head inside an oven. So I couldn't even get close. I actually had to go on the other side of the street and just watch as the firefighters tried to put that fire out. They couldn't even get in. But the whole story about it was after it was done, it left such a bad stain for my neighborhood that that's when I decided that I wanted to do something. And then I actually created that community garden. And you can see it in the video. I created it from the rubble that was left from that house fire. The, The chimney, the leftover bricks from the chimney, it was just a pile that they left there. And I use those bricks to create this community vegetable garden and anybody now can harvest food. And so you can actually see that garden being built from beginning to end, from the start of that fire to when the house got demolished. Uh, It's all there. Just go to shiftheads.ca to watch that video, or you can go to my website, handyandymedia.com. Also nice. All right. Now. You wanted to talk a little bit more. Did you want to talk more about Nextdoor and, and, and what they're up to? Because they are up to some good yes. stuff. Well, they just went public today on the New York Stock Exchange. And um, that it's interesting because when a company goes public, then you kind of see what their valuation is. Like, how much is this, this company valued at? And so they were valued at $4.6 billion. And it's really kind of like the anti-Facebook. So Facebook is trying to do what the, we talked about this before, the metaverse, right? Where you have this avatar and you're in this digital world. <laughs> Nextdoor is doing the exact opposite. They're like, we just want you to hang out with the people around in your community. And with the holidays coming, and actually this Saturday is World Kindness Day. So if you want to do something kind, Nextdoor is the platform because you could actually meet the people that are in your local community. You might have similar interests. You might be from the, you might have immigrated from the same country. And in Nextdoor, you'll find groups of people in your neighborhood from certain countries or certain interests like gardening and whatnot. And even if you need like, say, someone to cut your lawn or you're looking for a plumber, 
this is the kind of you go people actual people no avatars real names they don't show your exact address but they do show you what neighborhood you're from and i've been using it and chain i love it because i'm making mm. new connections with people that are so close to me but i just never met and it gives you that platform to meet and so now they're gone public and i just learned that one out of three americans have next door and so they've been growing a really? lot in canada during the pandemic it's one of the fastest growing company or countries and i think a lot of people are are more local because of the pandemic when you couldn't go out people were staying inside their communities and it's great to support your small businesses and with the holidays and to try to give back i can't think of a better platform than nextdoor so i really want to encourage all the listeners out there to at least download it on their phone sign up and and give it a try because you'll be surprised every neighborhood has people in there already on that platform that's cool. It's interesting. Two quick questions or statements for you. One, does Andy share the quotes lettuce from his greenhouse? Don't think he, that's not your community garden lettuce and your kale. That's your other garden. And yes. the other one is, hey, uncle, now is the time to transplant blueberries. That's from Steve. That's right. That's right. Um, this is the time to, to do the transplants of blueberries. So I got to go see my blueberry farmer friend. And uh, see if I can get some more because all the other blueberry bushes I got last year, only one survived out of all of them. And that was because of that heat dome. But like I said, Shane, you know me. I'm very stubborn. I will not give up. I'm going to be a micro blueberry farmer one day. And um, thanks, Steve, for the advice. You reminded me I have to give my uh, blueberry farmer friend a call and see if he can uh, hook me up with some new blueberry bushes. In a related story, that is how he shares his lettuce quotes lettuce is to get us blueberries all right andy we've got um killer farm robots and giant video game joysticks yes in that order where we, let's where are we going let's start with the killer farm robots so as a lot of people know one of the big issues on farms is weeds and the, the old way that they've tried to take care of weeds and bugs and stuff was pesticides. And of course, we know how that went. And um, so for years now, they've been trying to find a new solution. And one thing that a company has created was this killer farm robot. And basically, this thing is designed to find weeds and destroy them. And here's how it works. It's actually two robots. One is named Dick and the other one, believe it or not, is Tom. So you have Tom. <laughs> Tom is, is the scout robot. Yeah, so Tom's the scout robot. And what it does is it goes in front and it surveys the land and it just creates all this data and it's looking for all the different types of weeds. Now it's using AI to detect if something is a weed or not because there's apps that do this as well, Shane. You could just download these plant apps, take a mm -hmm. picture if you don't know what a plant is, and it will use AI to determine what species of plant it is well they've taken that technology and that's what tom the scout ro robot is doing and it's surveying the farm looking for all of these types of weeds it then relays that that information to the other robot dick and this one has these little like probes on it and as it moves these probes then send nine thousand watts of electricity right into the root of the weed and it basically fries it so it's it's sustainable it's biologically safe it just basically fries it 
And then that turns into compost eventually. And you don't have to use uh, um, any kind of pesticides. So this is a prototype, but they've shown that they could actually do it. The couple of things that they have to optimize to really get this to market is every time they use that electricity, they're trying to figure out just like how much electricity do we actually need for each of these weeds to kill it? Because, of course, that takes a lot of electricity, which affects the battery life of these robots. But the fact that they can now use it with AI to go and survey different types of land and keep some weeds, because some weeds, of course, are great for bees and and bringing different types of, you know, to get pollinated. So I just love this this, story because it just shows that we just need to, like, reimagine solutions to these problems that we've had. And with autonomous vehicles and all that technology, we're now seeing it being used on an agricultural, um, you know, farm kind of situation to to solve weed problems. So this, hmm. my 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 dream though, Shane, is that they can because we've already talked that I have a robotic lawnmower, but imagine mm-hmm. you had a little buddy that could just like take the weeds out in your in your lawn. I think that might actually happen because they've already shown to have this technology on a commercial level. It's only a matter of time, like a company like Husqvarna is going to create a weed zapping robot for residential use as well. I think this is really cool. If I imagine my, you know, dandelions and you basically drop this mini Roomba on the front lawn and it trucks around and it finds a dandelion and sticks a probe in the ground and goes zap. And then three days later, it's dead and the root is dead. You could just pop it out and off you go. I mean, that to me seems like dynamite invention level stuff. Like, Taking weeds out of the lawn is like a hobby of mine. Like, but it's one of those hobbies, like once you start, you can't stop. Like it's because they're everywhere. And I've tried every single type of technology. I actually had this probe, very similar technology to what they're doing here. And it was from Germany. And it was the same thing. You would plug this in to an extension cord and you would walk around. And every time you saw a weed, you would just place it on top. And it, it would it would zap it with almost like a heat. It was almost like a like a hairdryer of just like hot yeah. air. And then they say, you know, in two, three days, it will it'll go black and then it will die. And so I thought this was the most amazing thing. I had the company send it to me. I was so excited. But the problem is, Shane, you have to like stand for like three seconds on each weed to like burn it. Whereas there's this other pro, but I'll make a video and I'll, I'll show it on, on the shift. I have this little gadget thing, I think from Home Depot. But it, it basically just, you probe it in there and you can pop that weed right out. Like get it right at the root level and pop it out. So you just need one, that and a bucket. And like the world's your oyster, man. You can take out all the weeds in seconds. Like you can pop a weed out, maybe 10 weeds in about under 30 seconds. So that's probably the most efficient way. Don't use all that, those other, there's a lot of different texts where they have like little guns with battery powered and then it shoots mm-hmm. pesticides on it. You want to stay away from that kind of stuff. Just no more chemicals. We have to we have to find novel, more sustainable ways to get rid of weeds in our lawn. Although I in all fairness, my experience, and maybe I have a solution for this, is that when you use those sort of step and pop of the weeds things, I've broken about four or five of them. Yeah. And they're not durable. And they bend and yep. they break. Yep. And so it gets very expensive very quickly. And they often leave a big fat hole in the in the yard which very quickly fills up with other weeds. So there's got to be a solution that fills it back up again and takes care of it too. Have you run into that? 
Um, yeah, you're right about that. I've broken a couple of those. I just think they really need to figure out a, a design to make it more like rugged, you know, like, like, like can really handle the elements like an industrial kind because some, the thing about weeds, I don't think people know this, uh, it usually just has that one root that just goes straight down. That's why if you rip the top part of the weed, it only gets stronger. And then next time it comes, it's even bigger. So it's, it's very important to get it right down to the root. But I, that's the only tool that I found to be the best. And the whole thing is not too much of a problem because, you know, one thing that you're supposed to do with your lawn is aerate it, put holes in there to get the oxygen to go inside. So those should fill up pretty much quickly. Or the other option is if you just have some, some soil on the side, you can then plug that up, put a little grass seed there, and, and then the problem is solved. But oh, yeah, it's different it's, with the amount of rain you guys get a lot of rain and we don't oh I wonder yeah if it's harder i wonder if it breaks more in certain places that don't get more rain that does make me curious yeah if, oh, you're, if, you're, no. if your soil has a lot of clay in it it, it will break a lot so that's another yeah. issue all right uh good to bat around that's for sure nine foot video game joystick is now the guinness world record holder i don't even want to know how you found that <laughs> so an artist actually created this. If you remember the old ancient Atari joysticks with that, you know, that the original joystick, well, this artist created one that's nine foot big. It is so big, one person can't use it. And the reason she did this was for video games to be more collaborative, where you actually had to interact with people to play oh, this fun. game. And it takes some effort. This thing is massive. You have to see it. If you go to The Guardian, you can see the article that shows it. But it's just this massive joystick, and it plays actual Atari games. It has an Atari built inside of it, so you can play games like Centipede with your friends um, using this kind of thing. And I think it's good because even video games, there's another thing that we really need to reinvent. Because the problem with video games is you have to sit still. they got to figure out a way we can move and have fun at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, we were having a couple's night when I was married, and we were playing Wii Tennis. And uh, boy, get a couple's night gets awkward when you go to take your tennis shot and your friend's wife is right there and your tennis racket is a smack on the butt. And boy, oh boy, that that gets weird quick. Andy, uh, HandyAndyMedia.com. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, check out the videos. And it's also on the Shift Facebook group as well of his kindness video to his neighbors. Good to see you, bud. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.